Hello, friends. Welcome back to the podcast. Just a couple of things before we get started. We're now on Spotify. I've seen the messages and the comments like, hey, when are you guys going to be on Spotify? And I just want to remind you guys we're finally there. So thank you to everybody who's already subscribed and been listening to us on Spotify. I see the numbers running up and I greatly appreciate that. So just for everybody who missed the announcement, we're now on Spotify. Go listen to us there. It's awesome. And also everybody who's asking how they can support the podcast outside of just listening and subscribing, you can head over to jamierk.com slash shop and pick up the hottest merch in the game. It's always selling like a God church. And I just want to thank my buddy, John, shout out the Conco. He designs everything. All the stuff that you see in that shop has been designed by him. Super awesome stuff. So I greatly appreciate him doing all my artwork. And also I want to shout out Printhead. It's run by Cole from NorCal. He plays in some awesome bands. I'm sure you guys know about him. But I worked with him on the last design and he did a really great job with everything, all aspects. Great customer service. Turnaround time was amazing. So if you can support Printhead, awesome, awesome shop. But my guest today, Shane Moran, sang for Bad Seed, plays guitar in Title Fight, has a new project coming out under the moniker Poison Thorn. He does Happy House, just a ton of awesome stuff. I'm happy to be able to call him a friend, and the podcast we did was amazing. I had a really great time talking to him and diving deep on a lot of stuff that we both have been wanting to talk about, so it was such an awesome time for me, and seriously, I hope you guys listen to this podcast, and I hope you guys listen to his bands, support him any way you can. He's a great dude, so without further ado, welcome Shane to the podcast. Welcome to the podcast, Shane. Hey, thanks for having me. Dude, this I'm is a fan. Dude, thank you so much. If I'm going to be honest, when we first started talking and you told me that you listened to the podcast, I was blown away. <laughs> yeah, well, you interview like mad people from Wilkesbury, Nate, Caleb, Pete, Dan, right? Is there anybody else? Um, I, I did Ryan. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, shout out all those guys. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, shout out to Nate Prosciutti because it, it all started with him. I, I reached out and this is crazy because I, I reached out to Nate through Facebook of like all places. Right. I, I reached out to <laughs> Nate and he was just super uh, down to do it from the beginning and just a really nice guy in general. And he just put me on to everybody from out there and uh, it just kind of grew and everybody uh, not even just from that area, just like the whole state has just been super supportive of, of like what I've been doing. Yeah. Nate's a cool guy. He's kind of spearheading some of the, uh, I don't know, I guess the, I don't want to say new generation because he's been around since I've started going to shows. But, you know, saying Wilkes-Barre's got like a, a crop of new younger bands and there's like a, a local venue and Nate's doing choice to make and 1240 and all that. So it's cool. It's like there's a, it feels like a new chapter and yeah, it's cool to 
to keep it keep an eye on it keep tabs on it and yeah i like listening to those conversations for sure yeah and i i definitely appreciate that and i've always been a fan of uh your guys' scene out there obviously uh i feel like it was like pretty uh big on the map like a lot of people paying attention to all the bands coming out of there then it felt like for a little while that there was like kind of like a lull but now there's just a crop of great bands coming out and especially like you know one step closer you know doing stuff worldwide which is insane and awesome for them so it's something cool to see uh that scene just kind of like you know bounce back into the spotlight yeah man it's it's had it's uh I feel like it's gone in waves from like being really intense and then kind of these weird lulls like you're saying but yeah right now is like a cool very fertile time uh for our scene at home and yeah i'm just super happy to be a part of it i'm always super proud whenever you know one step closer worn or choice to make acupuncture there's a bunch of cool young bands younger bands with a mix a range of young people and older older people so yeah just keeping the uh the wheels turning and just adding building upon like the history that we have here and something that like uh is really important to me because it completely like altered the course of my life for the better i think and just having like a community a small community like that where we're from uh yeah it just i think it gives i think it opens a lot of people's minds and it just gives people a platform and a space to just explore music and art and community and yeah it's just it's one of like it's one of the things that like keeps me here like i still live in in the area so yeah it just it's a positive good thing and you're like obviously tied to some pretty prominent bands from your area and i i know you're uh, super artistic i i was just curious like where did all this start uh yeah so i guess it would start with i mean me like personally <clears throat> probably would start around the time i met like some of the guys in the title fight but that was like the there was like a precedent already like with where we're from and uh there you know when i first started getting into music uh, i was probably like when i was seriously getting into music and guitar skateboarding and all those things kind of happening at the same time i was probably in middle school like maybe like sixth sixth grade or something like that seventh grade i started getting really into music and there's bands like uh on mtv or like blink 182 and newfound glory and that type of like those type of pop punk bands and stuff and i kind of started to discover those things and like um that was sort of, I don't know, I, I kind of think about that a lot. Like, what, what was it about that stuff that, like, drew me towards it, you know? But uh, when I think about it, I think, I think a lot of my uh, story comes from, like, just being re- always, like, having someone to kind of look up to and be inspired by. And I think initially it was my two older sisters. There, I have two, I have, well, I have a lot of brothers and sisters, but my two older sisters were... Um, I don't know. There, when I was like young, I was just always looking up to them and what they were doing, who they were hanging out with. Uh, their boyfriends always like had a really big impact on me, 
and actually one of my sister's boyfriends like before i was even um into like mtv pop punk like one of my sister's boyfriends was like a hardcore guy and i remember like him giving me a ride so to wherever i was i was going i don't remember like a middle school dance or something and he had like he was into hardcore and there would be like chain of strength tapes like on the floor of his volkswagen corrado he's like a weird like car guy hardcore kid um and just like weird little things like that kind of like got me hip to like knowing like i thought i knew what hardcore was initially just because of little things like that at a really young age and then there's this yeah so i guess there was like a weird little precedent there from from things like that being rubbed off on me from people who i was close with and then uh when i was in middle school like i said i was like getting more into like blink when a2 green day that type of shit and uh but i got this at that same time like i discovered that there was a local scene too and i think that's like that's like the thing that was that kind of changed everything because i was like it went very quickly from like one month being like whoa like these bands are cool like i can relate to this like i think i might be able to like do this for myself to then like learning about our local scene which was like at the time there was a band called frostbite that was probably like the biggest local hardcore band and it's kind of like some guys uh like pre-cold world sort of but super like good hardcore band they're like one of my favorite hardcore bands today still um so there's like that band and our scene yeah our local scene there's just a scene here and uh so i think kind of learning about music like in this grand scale from like in the mainstream way and then also learning like almost like at the same time like there's this local scene and that exists and uh like all of a sudden I, it was like accessible to me to maybe like have a platform to do the things i was like dreaming about in my bedroom you know for myself so um i'm yeah so that's kind of like the backdrop of like what was happening and uh it was probably around like 2003 or 2004 or something like that and uh i yeah i i, I was like kind of like directionless like you know, just kind of into everything that I could get my hands on that I could hear in like a skate video or like video games or whatever. And uh, I was looking at this message board for, uh, um, I found out about this message, like a website, it wasn't really a message board. It was kind of a message board. It was called homebaseshows.com. And it was a website that was like for this old venue that used to be in Wilkes-Barre called Homebase. Um, but they they would list like all local shows like in venues any venue in close proximity would like get a listing on there and then there was like a little like chat like area that you could you could uh you know engage and like kind of like pre pre myspace type of stuff so i would like always look at that site because it was always really fascinating to me because it was like these like local characters would like be posting you know in the comments and then you could just check out listings for like shows that were happening locally and i remember one of them was uh a show like there was a little there was like show listings and then it would have like a little description of like the bands and then a little description of the band it was just like a flyer basically but just in text format and i can't remember the sh which show it was but i remember reading uh the one and it was like there was a advertisement for a show for a band called title fight 
and it said the description under it was like Kingston youth enough said. And I was like, yo, like <laughs> I'm from Kingston. Like what is, and I'm like young, I'm in middle school. Like what, what is this? You know what I mean? And I got like super excited. And I was like, damn, like maybe there's like other kids like me that are like into guitar and skateboarding or whatever that, uh, you know, like I need to like go to this. I need to fit, like find like these people or like check this out. Cause this is like a hundred percent, like, up my alley you know what i mean being from our area like we had a vibrant scene too but like you still like go to school and like there wasn't like i still kind of felt like a little bit of an outsider you know so it was like i was still kind of searching for my people a little bit so i can't remember like i think i went to that show and i ended up meeting like everybody that was in title fight which was just ned ben and jamie at that time um and it's funny because i had like previously already met Ned and Ben and didn't know like we played on a like a mini basketball team at the Kingston Rec Center like when they were even like it was like I can't remember I think maybe they were in like fourth or fifth grade and I was in sixth grade and we had like played on the same team together but like didn't I I think we were too young and like awkward to really like hit it off you know but I remember like talking to Ned because he wore like a Blink-182 shirt or like I think I rode my skateboard to basketball practice one time and or like was wearing vans or something and like we just like talked about it you know so it was like kind of this funny small world thing that after i went to the show i was like oh like i already know these guys kind of like you know and then from there we just kind of hit it off and we just started like hanging out all the time skating and title fight was doing a bunch of they're always doing like they always had something going on like practicing or trying to record demos or whatever yeah so um yeah i just started like kicking it with those guys and then slowly we just like got closer and closer and like we started like there was another band that we started that i like sang for it was like more of like a hardcore band and like that was kind of like slowly integrating me into the fold a little bit more and then like in 2005 they uh were just because it just made sense because i was like at all the recordings at all the practices or whatever you know they're just like yo you play guitar or whatever so do you want to these new songs we're we're writing have like two guitar parts in them like do you want to play guitars like hell yeah like at the time i couldn't believe like title was like my favorite band at that time they did like a a demo in 2004 and i think you might be able to still find it online but it was just like it to this day it's like still my favorite title fight shit it's like so like when i listen to it it's like trips me out it's like this weird like experience and uh the song's just super good and like sophisticated for being little kids and i was like it was my favorite thing and to like be asked to join it at that time i was like couldn't believe it you know and then from there like my whole life i think has kind of like revolved around that you know so i'm thank you for that 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 was really awesome to hear uh, but I want to go back to that website. Um, how did you even discover something like that? Because that's back when you you said before MySpace. So I, I'm just curious, how did a young kid from Kingston find a website that actually you know facilitated like these uh, you know flyer type things to help promote the local shows? I don't know. I can't remember. But at that time, it's like you'd go to like the mall and there'd be like people flyering, you know, okay. for shows. Like hardcore kids would just like come up to you if you looked like kind of like different you know and like or like maybe it was from my sisters or at that time like just skating like around the neighborhood like kids kids that skated 
were kind of hip to like punk and hardcore and stuff like that. So I think probably, you know what I mean? I was just like in the streets and like probably just one thing led to another. And at the time, like there was like, there was also a website that was like a little bit after that called iheartmook.com, which is like this kid. He's not a kid. He's like one of my, he's like an older friend of mine. He's a, he was like putting on shows and just organizing. Yeah. Like, organizing the scene in a way and uh there was like a message board on that website that was like really big and like there was a couple of kids in my high school that were into hardcore and punk and stuff but it, it kind of took a second to like earn their respect maybe or like connect the dots but maybe through one of them they like just put me on or like yo check out this website i don't know i can't i can't remember but yeah there was like there was message boards that were like super lively like it was crazy i remember just lurking them as like a 12 year old being like so enamored by like not only was there like a place that i could go to like maybe like play music or even just go watch bands like whether locally or touring bands or whatever but like not only that with like there was like there was a venue that was like this weird central hub called cafe metropolis which is like when i think about it now it's like something out of like the twilight zone or like twin peaks or something the way it, it looked and like the cast of characters that ran it and then there's just like people like i don't know just like heads you know what i mean people that were like in the scene and on message boards and had like an identity and people respected them and they had opinions and people would talk shit and they would talk about their favorite bands and all that type of thing you know so it was like i don't really know how i found it but like that was like before myspace for sure there was like that stuff was still happening i think at the like punk and hardcore level like those types of people have always been kind of like more hip to like, I don't know. I feel like they've always been like a little bit like one step ahead of mainstream culture or something with like their connectivity, you know? Yeah. I, I think that's awesome. I, I think back to like those times before social media was a thing and it was so easy to connect with um, so many different people. And I, I think about how much harder it had to have been back in the day for people to keep the scene running, you know, smooth, booking shows, tours, uh, finding out about new music. It, it's, it's so crazy, like how much harder it was back then. And I like, you know, commend those people who you know came before me because that that's just so crazy. Uh, kind of cool to think about, too. Um, just like it being like a little more uh, less primitive. Yeah, it was like, I don't know, like people people in Wilkes-Barre have been organized like we've had like fests like posi numbers fest like hardcore fest it predates like any hardcore fest you ever heard of in america like i don't know it was just like it was just this weird i don't know it doesn't really make sense because you come here and it's like pretty shot like it's a dead old coal mining town you know but mm -hmm. i mean a lot of people point to it being like central between philly and new york like as this like extra tour stop for bands like in between those two things i was just kind of easy and convenient and for whatever reason like the people here like the ogs that we had here are just like down like they're just like knew what they were talking about knew what they liked and they like did everything they could to keep it alive and provide like an outlet for kids you know and i think maybe it being like a small town like helped because it's like cheaper to rent out the fire hall it's cheaper to get whatever like whatever little thing you need to like make you know in new york city or philly maybe those types of things are a little bit like on a grander scale like it was th they're happening you know those places were super vibrant and still are to this day but you know what i'm saying like it was just like a small town it was just like it's kind of easy to just like make something happen like quick on the fly or like whatever you need to do to just like 
have a place to do shows you know like even to this day like the hive is like the new local venue and it's like i don't know it's so cool to me it's like carrying that same tradition it's just like all right we don't have a venue like let's figure it out you know i wasn't really involved in that but uh i know the guys that did just like took care of it it's like it's a commitment for sure but it's like not that crazy it's like it's easy to do if you just kind of commit to it and gather you know round up the troops and make it happen and you speak about posi numbers were you ever able to attend that fest when i was still active yeah i went to like the last one ever which was uh in like a sports dome which actually likes funny because in more recent years i played soccer there a bunch Mm -hmm. um and like yeah so it's 2005 i went to that one it was like the final posi numbers and actually like the that hardcore band that i was that i mentioned earlier uh with it was just me singing and the rest of the guys in title fight was called the gnarlies and we ended up adding our friend saba uh after after a while but yeah we played like the pre-posi numbers party in 2015 at at cafe metro it was like the day before the fest started and i was like the biggest accomplishment at that time to to do that so we had like a little bit like we i caught the very tail end of posi numbers yeah yeah it's insane when you go back and uh search those videos up on youtube and to think about how many people actually showed up for that fest i'm always curious like where the majority of those people came from because obviously you know there's the local scene that's going to show up but then definitely people traveled for that so i was always curious like man like it's so crazy to me that people were traveling for hardcore fest like way back then because for me i was like younger i was still in high school around that time i couldn't afford to you know fly anywhere in the country for a hardcore fest yeah at the time i think it was like kind of one of the only things like that you know and i remember meeting people from like france and like spain like there's yeah like people people traveled from everywhere at that at that time especially it's like i think that was if you wanted to be in a in a room with like a a thousand or two thousand people and watching a hardcore band like that was probably one of the few places at the time that that you can do it you know shout out bob mack oh and is that the guy who put on the fest yeah he's like put on a bunch of shows he ran a record label called walk all night that put out a, a ton of really sick hardcore bands and he kind of like yeah him along with a bunch of people uh you know kind of kept shit going for a good a good while he's a great guy hell yeah and it's important to you know try those people out because obviously without them who knows where the scene would be today because that history is really important because uh, to keep a scene especially like a a scene like that, that that doesn't like isn't in a major city or on a coast uh those kind of people are really important yeah man it's it's inspiring and like yeah for for especially for me like from my point of view is like i don't know like what my my outlet would have been otherwise you know what i mean and i learned a lot through punk and hardcore and that like it just opened doors, you know? So I'm always super thankful. Like anybody that's doing that type of thing on any level in their community, like it doesn't have to be punk or hardcore, but if you're committed to like giving someone or younger people an outlet, that's something, you know, super important. I think all communities across the world should be doing that. They should be thinking about their neighbors and their little brothers and sisters. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, One thing on this podcast, I always preach about how, 
the youth is really important when it comes to, and I always talk about I'm in hardcore, but that, you know, you can apply that to any other subculture because they're going to be the ones who are going to be around after we're gone. Yeah. Yeah. You gotta, I don't know. You gotta put in the effort because I don't, in, in my opinion, it's like doing that type of stuff is just, that's the thing that leaves an impact way more than like, going to some like office job or something you know it's like you're like who's who are you serving when you're doing that you know to me it's like people become the people they want to be for the most part when they're like home from their job and like yeah so you know what i'm trying to say you yeah, know I, I definitely get that so i, I want to talk about like my earliest memory of title fight you know, me being on MySpace and just kind of cruising through different bands and stuff and trying to find the newest and cool music that I'm into. I remember uh, finding a, a video and uh, you guys playing Warped Horror like way back in the day. It's like uh, 2007, if I remember correctly. <laughs> yeah, it was, I don't remember which year, but we won one of those Ernie Ball Battle of the Bands, I think probably is what you're talking about. We played like the local, like, Wilkes-Barre is really close to Scranton, and there's like a warp tour used to always stop pretty much in Scranton. That's probably what you're talking about. Yeah, I think. Yeah, no, it, it's on this uh, person's page on uh, YouTube. Uh, uh, I think it's pronounced uh, Faster. F A. Oh yeah. <laughs> That's Ben Russin. Oh really? Oh okay. Yeah. yeah. I, I I literally no idea who ran the page because uh, the video is just up there. <laughs> yeah, it's Ben. Okay. He's got some cool video. He just uploaded a, a recent one with him and his girlfriend, seven year anniversary. I just was talking to Ben about this like an hour ago. It's funny. That's yeah, go go check out his page. All right. Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll definitely post a link to that. But um, yeah. So watching that video and uh, you guys won the that local thing, but just watching the crowd way back then and seeing kids going nuts and they're actually being a decent sized crowd for you guys that early on. Um, it was like crazy for me. Cause I'm like, dang, like who is this band? And like, I, I see people like talking about it and I was like, Oh, I was like, all right. Like they sound kind of cool, but like who knows if I'll ever get to see them. So can you talk about if you even remember like what it was like way back then for you guys to play a uh, warp tour so early on? Um, it, it's funny because I think at the time, like that was like one of like, it's, it appeared to be like, that was an important step we should be trying to take, which is really funny looking back now. It's like, I don't think it's probably did anything for us really, but at the time, yeah, we we're just like any like opportunity to like level up or like go, go harder. Like we wanted to do. So I remember I was talking to Ben about this recently, actually here, like for refresh my memory that, uh, I think we like recorded like, we like went to the studio to record like two new demos, like specifically for that shit. <laughs> and I think one year, like we lost one year and then the following year we're like, all right, we gotta like, we gotta do this. Cause like, this is a big deal. And like, it would be whatever. Like maybe we, I don't know. We were just like connect, trying to connect the dots slowly, you know, and thought maybe it would like open up a door to like, maybe be able to put out a seven inch with like a label or I don't know. I don't even remember the timeline. We, we might've put out, a seven inch by then already but yeah just anything to kind of like grow beyond our little town was like that was the mission we're just like all right like let's get it you know what i mean and we had like for being like a small local scene like 
it's funny like we start to play shows and like a lot of the first shows we started to play were outside of philly and doylestown where this band the erection kids were from which later it was like it's basically just balancing composure before balancing composure and uh we'd like go we'd drive down to doylestown which was like two hours pretty much from wilkes and like we'd have like a caravan of like I don't even remember how many kids. We were like 30 kids from Wilkesbury just like pulling up, like our friends. And that's just like what we did. Like those were all our homies. And we just go and like mob the place out. And like, you know, people would go off and like, because they were just down. They liked the music. And like, I think everyone just kind of believed in it. And like, that was our time to like have fun. And we just try to maximize, you know what I mean? So I think Warp Tour was like a similar thing. We're just like, let's, let's just like do this and fucking stunt and like <laughs> i don't know i mean that's like what I, how i remember it but i think looking like as kids you're a lot, a lot more naive and like you're just trying to like do like strive for whatever might be possible to like bring that into your orbit to make it like a reality you know what i mean so we just like i don't know we just had a cool like crew that like supported us and that definitely empowered us to like it gave us confidence when we went to the doylestown it gave us confidence that warp tour ernie ball shit like we're just like yeah like this is us like it's not just the band it's like our friends it's we're repping like where we're from like all that and i think that's really awesome because i i can't think of any video online of title fight and you guys having a bad set so uh for it to go so far back and you guys having that support all the way through your guys's career that's just really awesome to see yeah, I mean, for sure, there was shows that sucked, and, like, even before, like, you know, our friends got organized, and, like, I don't know. It's hard to, like, t- it's hard to really th- think about it. I, don't, I can't really speak for, like, how everyone else felt, but I think it was just a cool coming-of-age time where, like, everyone was getting into the music, and the music was slowly getting a little bit better, and, like, we were starting to really fuck with hardcore, and, like, the idea of like having a crazy set like that shit didn't really happen like i feel like i don't know like now it's like stage dives and like all this shit is like such a mainstream like standard thing but like we would just like i don't know like we just like wanted shit to just go crazy like because it was rare and like people like responded to that and like it was such a positive like empowering magical thing you know and I don't know. There's definitely there's definitely a time like before like people like before we were old enough to like know like that moshing was cool. You know what I mean? Like there's definitely lulls and like weird. And that's just and that also that's just like locally. Like we when we started touring, like there was years and years of like nobody giving a fuck. You know, I think we were we probably had we had a little bit better than some bands in some ways, but we definitely had that period where like we played to nobody or played to a dead room. Like that shit for sure happened, you know, but like as far as being close to home, like, nah, we had a, we had to come correct. So my first time ever seeing tile fight live, it was sound and fury 2009. And I'll, I'll never forget this. Uh, it was so like, you know, it was kind of a big deal, like uh, for Southern California to have Tile Fight come and play the fest. So I was like, all right, this is cool. I'm stoked to see them. And I'll never forget how many people were just packed into that venue because it was at this place in Oxford. And I can't remember. The, I never remember the name of the venue because it was only there that one year. 
But yeah. I, I just remember everybody um, packed in and, and there was this uh, guy, I don't even know who it was, but he like stage dove before the set even started. It was just still all quiet. And I was like, okay, I was like, that's wild. This set <laughs> is going to be insane. And it, like seeing you guys live for that first time, it just like blew my mind. I was like, all right, this band is definitely awesome and I'm definitely hooked. So I just will never forget that set. It was just like seriously so impactful for me. Yeah, I think that was probably Tim Riley. Um, yeah, the Sound of Fury was like, yeah, it was huge. Like, to getting to California was a huge step, but then also like Sound of Fury being like the standard, like you know what I mean. You just like it, just like certified you as a band in a way, and like obviously you got to play to a shit ton of people, and like, it, yeah, like we were just like at that time. I think we were like starting to really tour and take things seriously so that was like amazing momentum as a band to like play a show like that and california is obviously amazing an amazing place so yeah it's good memories i remember didn't trash talk play out of the u-haul in the back and stuff like that that year yes they did yeah that that was that that was crazy somebody jumped off the roof into the crowd which i thought was really crazy how that person didn't die because it was pretty high up yeah it's just cool one thing i was those days um, one thing I was always curious about um, when it came to title fight, obviously you guys are super, you know, tied to the, the hardcore scene, but title fight is a band has uh, been labeled a hardcore band. I was just curious, like, where did that come from? And like, how do you feel about that? Um, I think it probably comes from just where we're from. And Wilkes-Barre is like, it's just a hardcore scene really like, Scranton is like the neighboring scene and it's funny because there's like like my girlfriend Brianna plays in Tiger's Jaw and uh we've known like bands like the Menzingers like literally like since the same time I'm saying like I started getting into title fight like these same bands or these people are like in in our orbit as well and Scranton is more was like grew up on like ska almost you know their like their ska shows are like lit but Wilkesbury is always like for like more or less it was just like a hardcore scene so i think we always kind of like identified with that and like ned and ben the the two twins in title fight which i feel like uh are like the organization and like the motivated forces in title fight where like they're little brothers of alex Russin, who's like our OG, he's like my big brother in a way. He was in Cold World and all the like. He was in Frostbite to Tread Any, all these bands that uh, we grew up just like sweating so hard and like I don't know, like we always like same time Todd Fight was happening. There was always like a hardcore band like on the side of it in some way that was like more traditionally a hardcore band, I guess, in the way that it sounded, and that's just like who we identified as, I guess, like those are the types of people we were around. Those are largely the types of bands we were listening to for the most part, especially at a local level. Like there weren't many like alternative or pop punk bands or that whatever type of shit coming through was like mostly hardcore scene. So I think that's just like ingrained in us. And uh, yeah, like our, all of like the dudes that were like pass us down shirts or records or like put us on to like different bands were like, showing us hardcore bands mostly and after a while it turned like i think after i think once maybe title face started to kind of like draw this 
this bridge between what we were doing like more melodically and then with like this hardcore energy or something then and then you know we got different types of bands to listen to like you know it went from like gorilla biscuits to like all right maybe check out like the other ref stuff that's like a little bit more melodic like texas is the reason or something or like check out quicksand like you know so like this type of like lineage or like progression that some some other some of the hardcore bands that we were into had that i don't know we just like i don't know yeah i just we're from wilkesbury i don't know you know what i mean it's like if you come here it's like you go to a show it's like, whether it's like no matter what type of show you're gonna see i feel like the spirit of hardcore is there like the, the history and the tradition of it is just this really palpable thing and i think really that's what we were identifying with and I don't know that just yeah it just gave us this network nationally to like sort of like win people over in a way where it's like there there's not really this like nationally organized scene of alternative poppy guitar bands but there was an organized network of like hardcore kids you know what I mean and like when we started touring like those are the people those are the scenes that we were like integrating into you know and that just like made it even more ripe and like more felt more like hardcore you know we'd go to long island or richmond or atlanta or you know la or something and we just meet hardcore kids like i don't know i think that's like i don't know in the van we were just listening to hardcore you know what i mean like i don't know i just yeah i always identify as that. I, mean, I never like really sweat it too much like i don't care like after a while it just like got annoying to like have to like put a, any type of label on music or art but i think that's just like an easy thing for us is like yeah like this is just like what we come from these are the people we know these are the bands we like like we carry a similar ethos and spirit i'd like to believe in our, the way we carry ourselves as a band like our philosophy and sonically to a degree yeah but i don't know i think if anything i was just like hyped to like take that tra tradition that we like we're starting to understand and like just try to make it our own and make it sincere and, and unique to to us or ourselves you know so it's just like yeah fuck it like we're a hardcore band like i don't we don't care like if it sounds different or because like we come from this shit like you talk to ned or somebody he's like i don't know he knows more about that shit than most people i know so it's just like built into to who we are i think hell yeah i i definitely back it because obviously uh what you guys have done and where you've come from has been awesome and i i love that um the hardcore community in general will support bands like title fight and you know show them like a hundred percent support and even you know try to push them and um, you know prop them up and you know try to blow them up as big as they can get so i, I definitely back that and uh, i appreciate uh, the band yeah i appreciate it too man like i'm i'm so thankful people like we're just down you know so and ex accepting of us so after the first record came out the last thing you forget which is um crazy because I, I was like thinking about the, the just like the, the name of that record and like how much i was in love with it. and i still love that record i was actually listening to it like earlier this week but um uh, 
my Tumblr, and this is going way back. So I uh, used to, uh, I, I like left MySpace, LiveJournal, and then I got a Tumblr and like literally like my name on my Tumblr, like the, the header still the, the last thing you forget, uh, which Six. is, which is crazy. And then once like Tumblr got like a little too crazy, I was like, all right, I need to be a little more legit and get a real website. And even for like the longest time on my actual website, jamerk.com, that was still the header, the last thing you forget. Um, and I, <laughs> and I literally didn't change it until I, I had to start branding for the podcast. Um, but that was the only reason why I changed it. But like uh, the name of that record and that just record, in its entirety is just so amazing to me and uh, like the music is it's so cool that it still holds up to this day that's really funny that that was your your username <laughs> that's cool that's really cool though yeah thank you man can you yeah, talk, I don't know what to say but... can you talk about where the uh, album name comes from um i mean it's a lyric from uh what song is that introvert uh i think right mm -hmm. i think it was probably just like to, i mean who knows but to me my my like interpretation and a little bit of my memory is like we were like going for like this like heady like a little bit more like heady like title like it reminds me of do you know who you are like the texas is the reason shit mm -hmm. i think we were probably like trying to like force a little bit of like maturity or, or like just a little bit more like introspection or something because at that time we were like i feel like starting to like shed our skin a little bit from like being a more local like poppy band like there's bands like like that but at the time like set your goals that like we're starting to like bridge this like pop punk and hardcore thing but in a way that was like a little bit more like i don't want to say obvious but whatever they had breakdowns and shit and we were just like i think we were trying to like lean a little bit more in towards like we wanted to be like a rev band you know what i mean we wanted to be like we wanted to be a little bit more poetic in our in our approach and in our lyrics so i i don't know i, I couldn't tell you i think ned wrote those lyrics so it's probably a question better for him but from my point of view it's like it was more like yeah we were just trying to like yeah, that's just the direction we were trying to go in, like this, like headier type of, I don't know, that type of shit. And can you talk about your uh, relationship with uh, John Slaby? John Slaby, yeah. Oh, Slaby, like, excuse me. That's all good. Some people actually had a conversation with him about that recently too, because Turnover calls him Slaby, and he said, "I was like, yo, I asked Slaby, I was like, yo, like, what's up with like." And he's like, yeah, I know they call me that. Like, he's like, I kind of like it. I've always kind of liked when people called me that. I was like, oh, I don't know. But I think it's Slavy. That's what I call him. But that's like, yeah, that's the, that dude is super, super inspiring to me. He's like, he's a great friend, super, super supportive. And he's just like, he's a fucking OG. Like, he's like, he's opened my eyes and inspired me in, in a lot of different ways. So, um, I don't want to like, uh, I don't want to like dry snitch or anything like that, but he was just like into like doing art and stuff like that in our, in our local area, which is like at the time, whenever I think I was probably like in high school at the, at this point when I started to like get hip to like the stuff he was doing. And it was just like, shit stands out here because it is like a really small, weird little town. So like anything like a little bit out of the ordinary or a little bit, 
different is like gonna pop so yeah the stuff he was doing the art that he was making just really like spoke to me at the time i guess and uh he was like involved in like the local skating scene like he's in this in this skate crew called nesk who's like has this crazy long history of like local skating where they would put out videos and uh he's just like a head that knew cool shit and made cool art you know so i didn't know him he, he like I think Alex and then Ben's brother was like friendly with him and he was like of that generation like a handful of years older than I was so I think I just hit him up one day because I was just like looking at some paintings he made and I was just like yo like your paintings are sick like I'm in this band like we want to do a seven inch whatever we want to use your art blah, blah blah so he was just like kind enough to like recognize the the passion maybe and he just was like yeah let's I think at first he like said no or something but then he like kind of came back around and yeah, we started working with him and it was just like the way he approaches art and the way he thinks about art and his experience, like the way he archives his his childhood and his like his exploits in in our areas, like this really like touching, crazy thing to me. Uh, he's like really in tune artistically with like the the nooks and crannies of where we're from and this like exploratory I don't know. I, it's, I feel like a little bit on the spot because I want to say like all the right things to like lift him up because he's such an inspiration, but it just like hit me. It struck me like his stuff just struck me and still strikes me in a way that was just like speaks to my childhood experience in a way. And, uh, I think that really like matches well with title fights music, especially like at that time too, like this like coming of age, like finding yourself and identifying through like these weird nooks and crannies and shortcuts in your town like that type of thing it was like it just made a lot of sense for what we were trying to say what we were trying to say musically i think it just was represented similarly with what he was doing visually so like he was just like down and then we just like became friends and now he's just like yeah to this day like a huge inspiration and he did all the title fight artwork like every every album we put out after the last thing you forget he did all the artwork for so it was like such a cool union for me like i feel super proud of that and yeah shout out slaby yeah i remember seeing the artwork and it always looked interesting to me and i was just like always curious about like you know what the significance um, were to like all the little things in the artwork so uh, and figuring out that he went on to work with you guys for every album, I, I thought that was cool that you guys uh, kept that relationship and were able to uh, grow with him through the rest of the music. Yeah, man, he like definitely sharpened our the taste level as far as art goes for like everyone in Wilkesbury. I'd say he's a super influential guy. So the last thing you forget drops, um, you guys. Uh, were starting to grow as a band becoming like a national act uh was there a significant moment for you where you just kind of like stop and were like holy shit like we're an actual like full-time band doing like stuff that i thought about when i was a kid yeah i think i felt that feeling like a lot over the years but probably like the the time when it like it it came to a crazy head was uh fuck you can't yeah i guess it was after once the last thing you forget was out in 2009 i was i was going to school in philly and 
everybody else in title like i'm the oldest one in title fight by like a year pretty much so everyone else was still in high school so i went to sorry what's up are you there oh yeah are you are you all right yeah, yeah i'm good sorry my bad i just thought it cut off for a second oh no it's all good i, yeah, I, I thought you were talking to somebody in the room with you it's all good no no i'm, <laughs> I'm just talking into my computer by myself um <laughs> I can't remember the exact timeline or I, I might have like a little bit of, my memory sucks honestly but in 2009 I know that for sure I was going to school I don't know so okay so I was going to I was in school already for like a year or something and then everyone Ned Ben and Jamie graduated high school and Ned and Ben moved to Philly as well or close to Philly at least like I was living with Ben actually in Fishtown in Philly and we were going he was going to Temple I was going to the art school there and uh, Ned was at another college I think Jamie was just at home chilling and it was around that time like we started to get hit up uh, by like labels like kind of like I think I think like Epitaph and like some major labels and shit were like sniffing around and then like we got like a I think we got a tour offer from we got a tour offer from Newfound Glory which was like at the time was like insane like we couldn't believe that we're like what the fuck and then like shortly after that it was like we got another tour offer to like go to the uk and europe and then and, like all this all this kind of attention started to like funnel at once and i just stopped like i just was like stopped caring about school i was just like yo like fuck this like let's you know what i mean like let's do, let's let's try this like we've been doing this for how long like this is what we want and like it seems like the opportunity is finally presenting itself so it was around that time, like, I, like, I just, like, I remember it was probably, like, a good, like, month or so <laughs> that I was in school that I was just, like, kind of, like, it was early in the semester, too. I was just, like, I just accepted. I was, like, yo, like, this is too exciting. And, like, I just know that it's going to, like, I know we're just going to drop out and start and do this tour and, and, like, go for it, you know? So I think it was around that time where that was, like, a huge turning point in my life because I was just, like, trying to, like, pursue my college degree like i was trying to get a bfa and like i don't know i didn't at the time i was like i was into it but like not really like just kind of going through the motions like waiting to see like if anything with title fight would happen because that's like where my whole like heart was you know so it's just crazy like it just the opportunity just happened it was like it was like winning the lottery or something that's how i felt it was just like fuck like we can go on tour like like yeah like i'll do i'll i'll drop everything like <laughs> i'll go into debt like i don't give a fuck like this is what i want you know so i think it was that around that time like when we accepted that tour with newfound glory and like whatever like these labels were like we were talking to like taking meetings or whatever the fuck like these types of things like i think it was around that time when it felt the most like insane you know and speaking of uh, bigger labels I, I feel like that's always like a scary thing for bands on the come up because a lot of times that could be make or break you could get locked into like a weird contract and that could like ruin the band or there's always like this weird thing where uh bands are good but then they get signed to a bigger label and somehow in some weird way the band just falls apart whether it be through the sound or the band just actually breaking up did you guys have that in mind when you were talking to these bigger labels were you even actually taking them serious or were you guys just uh just interested in hearing what they had to say were there any real aspirations to sign to a bigger label like that 
I mean, we ended up signing to like a somewhat bigger, like indie label side one, but uh, we talked to like major labels and stuff. And yeah, we just like, we took the meetings because it was mostly because it was funny, you know, just to be like, all right, like, what's the, like, whatever, going to some CEO's office in New York and LA or whatever, like, and we just like, we just saw through the bullshit, I think, like in those, in those like types of meetings, just like kind of like. I don't know. We're just ourselves. And like, I think we could just tell like, all right, this isn't really like, this is cool. This is a good story. But like these late major label trying to sign you for like eight records or some shit, like fuck that. You know what I mean? Like we, we wanted to have autonomy. Like, I think we knew, I think we were young enough to know that like we wanted autonomy and we wanted to like do shit the way we wanted to do it. And I think we started working with like a manager at that time. who we were just like, was just down with us. Like, down to fight for what we wanted a little bit in a way at the time i guess so we're just like yeah like this is what we want like we just want to tour like we're not really sweating like we're not trying to be like the foo fighters you know what i mean like i think that's what the major labels wanted but we're just like we had no idea like what was gonna come next we just wanted the opportunity to like make more music and then slowly just like follow like trace that and see where it goes you know there's no like grand plan to like become some giant band or whatever we just like i think we were pretty like sensible with just like being realistic like all right this is what's in front of us what's like the logical next step you know what i mean yeah and i feel like with every record that you guys put out there was just like a a giant leap in uh your guys's like popularity and like the types of shows and tours that you would be on which was it was cool because I, I was like I was like hell yeah like a band that I like is actually um, taking these like steps and actually has growth and not just kind of like you know staying like stagnant. Um, so it was always cool to see. Um, was that the same thing uh, like from your point of view? Like that we had growth every time we would sign to a new label is what? It, sorry, what's I don't understand that question really. Oh no, I'm so sorry. So um, with each release that you guys had, I I if from like a a fan looking at your guys's career it, it just seemed that like your guys's um popularity and growth was just so big um, with each new release so like is that how it felt for you like in real time um not really to be honest because it was like the the steps happened so incrementally for us because we we're so invested in it like we thought about has been a band since 2003 yo like mm-hmm. and i joined in 2005 so i don't know not that like we ever expected to get to become like a big band or have big shows or whatever but i think when you see the progress firsthand it's just like little by little and the next thing you know it's like oh fuck like all right this is like this is crazy like we can do a tour and like invite whoever we want to come on it and like we can make a couple bucks like for the first time ever like those in those moments yeah it felt it felt big but like i don't know every day you're like emailing and as far i mean at least for us like we were super involved with like every single thing like we had a manager but i don't think we ever needed one you know what i mean like ben was always super on top of that shit like everyone kind of played their their role and like was super invested so it's like it was like more than a full-time job i think so to see the progress like it didn't i don't think it hit us the same way it hit someone like you it was more like incremental and like felt more gradual, but for sure I like recognize and appreciate the growth, you know, but it just didn't seem like this like stark thing. It kind of like just felt 
I don't know. It felt kind of logical. So one big moment for me, uh, I grew up in the Palm Springs area and you guys uh, got announced that you were playing on Coachella Fest. And I thought that was just the most insane and cool thing ever. Do you remember um, what that was like for you? Yeah, like, I remember we got asked to do it. I think there was, like, some deliberation amongst the the four of us, like, whether or not, like, we should do it mm-hmm. because there's always kind of that, that conversation with anything. Um, But I was hyped, dude. Like, it was just, I don't know. I always kind of, like, appreciate, like, any opportunity to, like, get out of my comfort zone and, like, expand my mind a little bit more beyond, like, what I'm used to, you know? So I was super excited for that and, like – at the very least, like I think around that time we would start we had done like some bigger festivals and like I liked the, I liked playing them. Like I liked playing the set was cool, but like just to be at the festival and to like be able to go wherever you need to go and like watch bands that normally I wouldn't be able to get to see like playing, you know, that was like super exciting to me. So not to say that I didn't enjoy like touring with hardcore and punk bands, like I love that, but it's also like to have that experience where like I could go watch like I don't know Outcast or whatever, whoever I can't even remember who else played that the year Coachella we did, but that type of shit was just like we're here, like I didn't have to pay to be here, and like yeah, it's just like weird fairy tale like backstage where it's like celebrities and like I love that shit, like it's funny to me, it's like it's exciting, and at the end of the day, like we played a show and like kids were there to see us and that's always an amazing thing so it was like yeah i felt like a very fun positive thing to do i thought i can't speak for the rest of the, i'm sure like if you ask some of the other guys like they'd probably tell you like it was whack or something but i personally fucked with it for sure yeah i i go to coachella um from time to time if there's like a band that i really want to see i'll um make a real uh, effort to make it out to the fest because it, it's a you know it's really expensive and uh you know to get time off of work it's just like a it's a whole thing that you have to like you know, you know turn into if you want to just go to this fest and it's it's like one of the biggest fests in the world so um, i i think it's really cool that you guys are able to say that um you played coachella fest yeah i feel very fortunate and it's definitely up my uh respect from like my family that doesn't know or understand anything about what I do or am trying to do. So yeah, I would do it again for sure. So fast forward to 2015, you guys put out your latest record, uh, Hyperview. And I remember when that record came out, obviously there was a shift in your guys' sound. And I I know in in my circle of friends, it, it got mixed reviews. And for me, being a fan of Title Fight, I was always a fan of the progression in the music with each record. So I was um, open-minded going into the record, and I listened to it, and I think it took a little time for me to grow and to be able to bond with it, but I enjoy that record to this day. I um, still enjoy it, and I hate when people try to knock it. Uh, it, It's just like is just really frustrating to me because i'm just like okay like this band title fight they're awesome everybody knows that but you can't expect them to to put out the same record again and again because at some point it's going to get stale and then you're just going to get turned off so i i I always um 
I always get lost at the uh, fact that people uh, are so close-minded when it comes to music. Yeah. Can you yeah, talk? I mean, I don't... Oh, I'm sorry. sorry. Go, ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, that's that's understandable. It was definitely, like, I feel like the biggest departure we've we've had as a band. So it makes sense that people, not everybody was was into it. It doesn't really bother me that much. I respect, you know, there's plenty of music that I don't fuck with. So I can't like, I can't be like, I can't have my feelings hurt when that happens to something that I've been a part of, you know, but I don't know. Like, I don't think we ever really like felt like it was like a failure or anything. I think if anything, like the shows, maybe like people didn't really like know how they wanted to like respond to it. Cause they're so used to just like going off for everything that was a little bit more high energy, you know? That was like the only real like thing I ever like noticed was like when we played those songs live, people would just kind of like chill out for a second, you know. But I don't know. I I I like that like range and being able to like show that there's more than just one dimension, you know. Yeah, because it shows that you guys are actually talented musicians and don't have to go to the same well every time to to try to please the fans. I I appreciate that you guys. Um, were brave enough to you know take that step in the progression and put out that record instead of just playing it safe and putting out something that sounded like the older stuff. Yeah. Do you think it sounds weird now though, or like in 2015 it sounded weird? Okay. Okay. If I'm gonna um, be honest, the the way that I, I try to explain it to people who uh, try to um, give that record flack, I'm I'm a fan of a band called Brand New, and if if you look at their discography they did the same thing with every new release their sound just progressed. And if you look at their first record to the latest record, they sound nothing alike. And to me, that's awesome. I, I think it's cool to hear your guys's, um, you know, expression through the music. Cause if you guys put out a, a record like shed or floral green, like the next like four records and it sounded just like that, People like like me, I'd get bored. I'd be like, okay, like, is this all they have? It, it, it can't be because like those records are good. They have to be more talented and be able to put out different kinds of music. If, if that yeah. makes sense. Definitely, and like, I feel like people just associate this weird like blanket like standard that applies to every band throughout history or something. That's like, I don't know. People don't realize like if we like went into the studio like a month later to record any of our records, like it would be a different record, you know, mm-hmm. and not to say that like they're, they're not important. Like we put a hundred percent effort into everything we did always, but and not that it, it was easy to make music, but it's just like, however we're feeling is just like what we're going to say, you know? And like, to me, that's the most important thing is like, it's just like, yeah, like this is our medium. This is our, this is what we, this is how we express ourselves and the way we feel and the way we think changes regularly. So it's just like, I don't know, like we were just adding to that mass that we've been, that we've been building, you know, like it was like, it's just how we were feeling, you know? And I, I want to, I want to hear how people feel. Like I want to, I don't want, I don't want people to be so concerned with like convention and like, I don't know, starting a band because you like want to go on tour. Like, I think that's kind of whack, you know, like to play a show. Yeah. But like, I don't know, you should be, you should be invested in like trying to 
commune with like your soul through this medium of music, you know? And like, that's the important thing is like, I want to, I want to listen to like, if I look at art or listen to music, like I want to feel like that person was tapped into the themselves and not doing something or making art for any reason other than like fulfilling their own desire, you know? Cause that, I feel like that's usually where the best shit is. But it's like, there's plenty of bands that like, just like run off with the swag and just do everything we did. That was like that hit. And then they like perfected and whatever, like, it's fucking corny. You know what I mean? Like, I want to hear what someone has to say. Like, who are you? You know, what are you, what are you about? So I don't really feel like any type of way about anything I've ever done, like artistically or musically. Cause it's always been like hundred percent, like, yo, like this is just us. Like, it's just like having a conversation with somebody, you know, that's just the way we had the conversation. It's just like at that time it sounded like that. It felt like that. Like it was just real. And I appreciate that. I, I feel that's the like the way you described it. That's how uh, you should approach it is uh, just kind of go about it and be real. And and, and I know I'm um, you know putting out music, doing a band or uh, doing anything that's going to be in the public eye. Obviously, there's um, like you know weird signals that come along with it. Obviously, you're going to be judged, and you have to accept that not everybody's going to enjoy what you do. So you have to appreciate the people that actually care about what you're doing, um, and let that be your motivator. Because obviously, like me, I, I do this podcast. Or I try to do this podcast every week, and I. I sit here and I talk to people like you and I, I don't put on like uh, like an act or I don't put on like a special voice. Like the way we're talking right now is um, obviously, you know, cause like we've hung out, but uh, I've, this is how I normally am. I, I feel like if, if I was going to do this podcast and put it out there for the masses to listen to, I have to do it as myself, uh, whether they like it or hate it, I'm just going to put it out there. And if people listen, that's awesome. And if people don't like, it's cool. I get it. Cause like, you know, there's tons of podcasts and stuff that like, I just am not into, like I've tried, uh, but it's just not for me. And, and that's fine too, because I've, uh, just, I, I just, at an early age, I kind of realized like, okay, not everybody's going to like me and I'm okay with that. I'm just going to be myself and I'm not going to sacrifice the things that I'm into or my personality just to try to please people. Cause that's just going to drive me insane. Yeah. Respect, man. I mean, I could see that like in, in just listening to your interviews too. I think that's why I'm like so endeared to you is like for that reason it was like i i just i could tell you're just like yourself you know like you don't care if you come off as awkward or like nerdy or overbearing whatever like you're just like having a conversation with someone that you respect and like you're giving yourself to that person and i think that's commendable like not you know some people just aren't in touch with that and for better or for worse you know but i i could recognize that you're yeah, you're just you're just tapped into who you are and I that's why I think I like listening to your podcast to be honest because I feel that I identify with that like whether or not I share my the same like points of view as you like I I can sense that you're just like being yourself and you know what I mean you love Disney and this shit it's like it's cool like I want you know what I mean I want to it feels like intimate in that way whereas like if it was like you're trying to be this like master podcast guy that is like got some perfect formula figured out and like you're like protecting your identity or something it's like it's corny i think yeah you just got to be yourself i think that's like it sounds so simple but 
our society kind of tells you to do everything but just be yourself and be in tune with who you are, how you feel, where you come from, you know, what you're trying to do, what you're trying to say. So, yeah, I, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a weird battle with like society these days, uh, all like for social media, because there's so many people who are focused on uh, getting the the likes and like all the pop tags and just trying to impress your followers, which is uh, so strange to me because like I, I was so into like Instagram and Twitter and just over the years, I, I kind of realized like how uh, gross like a lot of people are like just fronting with like their lifestyle, not actually portraying who they really are. And it, it just kind of turned me off. So, yeah, I, I still have social media, but I'm not as uh, present as I used to be because I used to be tweeting like multiple times a day. And like these days, it's like you're lucky to see like, you know, maybe one or two from me per day outside of promoting the podcast. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a good, a great tool, but yeah, some people just get consumed and I mean, some people use it the right way, I think, but yeah, a lot, you're just fighting with people that are like taking up that space, you know, to like just be a poser. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how else to say it, but it's just like people that aren't in touch with themselves and what they want to say and what they want to do and are like faking the funk just to like get likes or to say the right thing or to, to appease this person or that person is like this fucking whack okay so fast forward uh was it now i'm drawing a blank was it 2018 uh tile fight played a show in amityville new york yeah was it i can't remember what year it was was it 2018 oh, you'd gonna... probably know better than i do i'm gonna look it but up that now. sounds kind of right yeah i have to look it up uh, yes, it, it was 2018. It was uh, January 26, 2018. You guys played a benefit show? Mm-hmm. For our friend Aaron Warman, who was, like, toured with us for Mad Long. He's our tour manager. He's a great friend. So His mom passed away. It was a really sad situation, but it felt good to to come together and, you know, do something positive for him and his family. I thought, I thought that was really awesome of you guys to be able to do that for them. After the set ended, did you guys know that that was going to be the last show that was going to be, uh, or that you guys were going to have played for a long time? Or um, over time, did you guys just not get any offers to do anything? Um, I don't think I knew. Like, I mean, I don't know. I <laughs> It's hard to talk about this angle of it because... It's something that I, I fully don't really understand. Like, um, so I think, I mean, it was definitely like a conscious decision to like do less because up until that point, I think maybe like a year or two before that, we had been coming off the back of touring for like seven or eight years straight and just committing like almost every second of our days to doing the band, writing, recording, touring, all this stuff. So it was kind of, I think that show kind of came at, at the, like at the early part of like us wanting to maybe just like press pause for a second. And I had like gone back to school at that time. Same with Ned and then Jamie kind of shortly followed like maybe a year or so after that. So I think those types of things just kind of like became uh, the priority 
of of all each of our lives as we're just like wanted to take a break, you know. And to this day, like, uh, I mean, Tidal Fight has always felt like this, like, force or this phenomenon that I've never really fully been able to, like, understand, you know? And and the same still stands for, like, the situation now, which, like, it almost feels, like, cursed or something in a way where, like, I don't really, like, quite understand what's going on, but just kind of just, like, letting it breathe and like let everybody just live their lives and yeah maybe maybe come back like or reassess it at some point when like the stars align or maybe that never happens like i'm not really quite sure to be honest so if you can confirm i i know um just through listening to interviews uh there was talks of um you guys had uh gone together to write some new stuff was that um or was that true you guys ever in the works of working on the next record oh where'd you see that oh it was just an interview i i uh, i don't remember exactly the um quote so i i don't want to say and butcher it um but it was from 2017 that's all i remember word um i mean there's definitely like like when we recorded hyperview there was like we like scrapped like basically a more than half of the album to like shift towards like a different vibe Mm -hmm. so there's like there's songs that haven't been finished and there's always ideas but i can't really quite remember like writing much more after hyperview like it that could be true but i don't really recall that to be honest um but yeah there's like no plans at the moment so yeah, I, I I mean every song like I've ever like on my hard drive or like I've ever like messed around with like I guess has the potential, mm-hmm. and I and I think probably the same for everyone else maybe, but I don't know. It's yeah, I don't know. <laughs> well, it it definitely is strange because uh, I I feel uh, like I've been around for so long and there's like a whole new crop of kids that never got the chance to to see you guys and uh over the years of you guys being absent there has been like this mystique that has been built up like so many memes which is so crazy to see um, every every now and then like i'm not even like looking for these things they just like pop in my feed from like people that i don't even follow saying that they miss title fight or where's title fight so yeah um, it, i like the spongebob ones you see those yeah no yeah I, i've definitely <laughs> seen some of those um, so it, it definitely is uh, crazy um, how that's happened over the years, but for me, I I, I do cherish those times that I was able to uh, see you guys live. I still enjoy the records to this day, and I, I I would love it if you guys came back and did stuff. That'd be cool. But if you didn't, I'm sure there has to be a good reason behind it, and I I would you know gladly be fine with that option too. You guys never coming back. Um, I would be a little sad, but but I get it. You know, things happen. Uh, you know, people's lives. Uh, you know, alter course, and and that's that. So, uh, whatever happens in the future, uh, you know, I just have to um, accept it and be okay with it. Yeah, dude, I I feel like I'm in the same boat as you. To be honest, like, I feel like title fight is for everyone in a way. You know, I feel like this like shared experience with like everybody that was ever had anything to do with it so yeah i I revere it in in a similar way and i like i said like it feels like 
almost like a curse or something that I don't really like quite get, but it's not really like tripping me out because I'm like been psyched to like become a little bit more in touch with myself as like an individual and working towards things that I've, I've always wanted to work towards like that kind of, that title fight kind of got in the way of, you know, so we're just, you know, it's just life, yo. It's like, I don't know. But I, I don't know who, I don't feel this like pressure to like really like acknowledge it or like give a definitive answer about anything because I don't know. Like, I think if it's, if it's something w- will happen, then it'll happen. You know what I mean? But if not, then something else good will happen. You know what I mean? Like, it's, I don't know. It's hard to it's hard to put into words how I feel about it, but yeah, it's. I I I feel you. I I see. I hear you, and I I feel you. I feel similarly. Okay. All right. So, uh, moving on from top fight as much as like I I love top fight. I could talk about top fight all day. But uh, yeah, me too. But I it's like this crazy crazy special thing in my life. So I'm like super. I'm happy to talk about it, and I'm glad I got to like go down memory lane a little bit because it's like yeah it's still to this day like informs a lot of how i look at the world and stuff so you don't gotta feel bad about talking about title fight for a while because i i enjoy it as well okay all right because i i just want to i'm seem like i'm pestering you about it but no um, no no going back to santa fury 2009 i remember um leading up to that i was telling all my friends i'm like yo uh check out this band they're called Bad Seed. Like, all I want to do is see that band at Santa Fury. My summer is going to be made. And uh, some of my friends yeah, were, yeah. were there in attendance, so they were able to enjoy that set as well. Uh, I was just so curious. Um, like, where did the idea spawn for Bad Seed? And you guys had a theme. Um, obviously, the, the name refers to, um, uh, to Chucky, like, you know, Child's Play. Uh, like, where yeah. did that, um, And I was just curious, so, like, where did the band start? And, like, where did that theming come in? Like, who had the idea for that? Uh, so those are two different questions, I think. The yeah. t- bad seeds, bad seed was born from. Uh, so that I think I mentioned him earlier, Saba. He played in the Gnarlies mm-hmm. l- later on. It was like our hardcore band of little kids. It was just like he's like, just I don't know. He's just like a really super super close friend. Uh, always kind of in the same orbit as Title Fight and the gnarlies and that shit so when the gnarlies like ended uh yeah he just hit me up he's like yo like i liked how you sang on the gnarlies like i want to like play guitar like in a new band whatever and he's like super talented like to this day like he's been sitting on music that's like i he needs to fucking finish it because it's we need more we need more of that in wilkesbury but uh he just hit me up and he's just like yeah like I want to do a band with you, whatever, like more hardcore, like metallic type of shit. And I was just like, yeah, let's, let's do it. So that's how it started. I think we just like want to, we just knew we like had chemistry. So we, we started jamming wherever and he started writing songs. And then, uh, originally Ben from Tiger's job played guitar or played drums and Wicca phase played bass, which is really funny to me. Um, and we practiced like that for a little, I think we recorded the first demo with those guys. And then something happened, something funny happened where 
Ben and Adam got kicked out, but like for like a really like funny and like non not like a pat like a passive kind of reason. I can't remember really what the deal was, but then we brought in uh Rifkin on drums and some other friend I think Jamie or I can't remember who started playing bass first, but yeah, just like it just became it kind of morphed into like a little bit more of like a serious thing after a year or two. Um, but it was just kind of born from like just being friends with these guys and like, yeah, just wanting to make a new project, something like a little bit more heavier and like hard, like explicitly hardcore, you know? And, uh, I think the Chucky stuff came from Rifkin actually shout out Rifkin. He put me onto like a ton. Of, I remember he burned me like a hundred plus CDs of like hardcore bands when I was, when I was real young, like just starting to find my bearings of like, what I liked about hardcore and he's like an older a little bit older guy that like looked out for me he's a super good drummer but I think he uh I think he was either him or Hoodrack who's like another like Wilkesbury OG came up with the idea to use Chucky as like the mascot kind of because the name was Bad Seed obviously it just kind of made sense and was like it just worked but it was also kind of like a little bit of like a troll kind of thing kind of just like a funny little mascot you know um yeah so that's where that shit came from and doing the band at any point did you have any idea at how popular you guys are going to be because i feel uh obviously it was always described as members of title fight but the music was awesome i feel like even if it wasn't members of title fight like uh bad seed could stand alone uh the music was great i loved everything you guys put out um did you have any idea that you guys would get that kind of reception when you're doing the band? Thank you. Uh, no, I mean, I don't think it, we don't, I don't, I don't think I've ever thought about like how people are going to react to stuff, to be honest. Like, I think you just like know that the, the opportunity to like make something exists, the opportunity to play a show exists. So if you can just like reach that goal, maybe, you know, maybe you can put out a record or whatever but like we just wanted to like put it down you know what i mean we just wanted to put we just wanted to i don't know Saba and i shared like a love of like pantera and madball and biohazard and this shit so we're just like that's all that's what we were focused on we're just like let's do something sick like yeah we want to we want to play shows under this this moniker and like you know what i mean it was just about that it was just about it was just about like friendship and creating something. I think, I don't think we really, and even like bad seat, we played Santa Fury. Like that was so sick. I remember that show was like crazy. Like people were going nuts and like we had, there were some little moments where we played like a, a festival or like a bigger show and like things were sick, but like we not, I definitely didn't feel like a big band, especially at that time. Like we did little runs and like shows, little weekends, whatever. And like, it wasn't big. Like even we play in Wilkesbury and like, it was whatever, you know, like it never really, I feel like it's been like what, like 10 years or something. We're like a decade removed from that. And I think the, like the lore of it is like also like charged into the appeal of it nowadays where it's like people from across the world have been able, have had the time to like, discover it and digest it but like at the time it never really felt like a bit necessarily big band like 
I don't know, like, if Title Fight didn't even, like, if Title Fight didn't play Santa Fury that year, like, I doubt Bad Seed would have even been able to, like, play. You know what I mean? We, like, Title Fight kind of enabled Bad Seed to, like, do cool things like that. But during the time, it was just, like, it wasn't really, like, we weren't really that, like, popping. You know what I mean? One thing I was always curious about, I've seen a ton of different Bad seed shirts i own a bad seed shirt um but i was curious did you guys ever do um any uh chucky designs yeah i never really it's funny because i'm like so into art and design but i remember at the time like i just i, I just relegated everything to rifkin and hoodrack for hoodrack was like our de facto art guy so i can't like i honestly i thought a lot of the bad seed merch was super ugly but some of it was really good um one of them being the Chucky, a Chucky design. I think it was on a hoodie or something, maybe like a zip up okay. with like the hoodie, like a Chucky on the pocket print. And we did like, I also have a bandana that I was wearing recently for oh. as a replace of a face mask that was like, has a Chucky on it. And I think hood rack did that one. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. My favorite song. Those designs are good. Anything hood rack did was sick looking. I, I like the it was the I think it was the final show T-shirt the one with like the like a jester or like a Joker on it. <laughs> Do you know what? what you're... Is it like red and blue and shit? Yeah. That I straight up found that exact design on a Dave Matthews Band shirt when oh. I was thrifting one time. So someone whoever made that just like stole it from a Dave Matthews Band shirt. Okay. Oh, so they might have been a Dave Matthews Band fan. Yeah, or it's just like clip art or something. Okay, that's awesome. That, that's so funny. I would have <laughs> yeah, never known. I think that should probably make it more valuable, hopefully. Okay. My <laughs> my favorite Bad Seed song uh, has to be a Harsh Reality. Yeah, that's a cool one. I like the lyrics of that one. Yeah, yeah, the, that one always uh, like stood out to me. So I, I And the, the shirt that I have has lyrics on it. It's the one with the the rats. I don't know if you remember that. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. That was, that was an okay design yeah okay well <laughs> um yeah i love bad seed i i'm happy that i was able to catch them you know what's crazy is uh you guys you know went away and um tui they were they were on hiatus and they came back and they they played a show in la and they covered bad seed which i thought was so random i was like okay this is crazy but this is cool i, I don't know if you ever heard about that yeah, yeah i've seen that i yeah i think justice has a uh bad seed tattoo which is really funny to me but they're like trapped under ice was like their demo i think was like probably like 95 percent inspiration for bad seed like to be honest like i remember hearing that when i was at like my first year of college or something just being like yo like this is so sick it's super heavy it's hard but these dudes are just like from baltimore like they're way more jacked than me but i, I identified with like them like just kind of being like having like more like emo kind of lyrics in a way and like s singing about like how they felt but it was like it was like paired with like this super ass beater sound you know and like yeah gotta give up the trapped in rights we're like one of the big like most influential hardcore bands ever probably yeah i i think i think they're a super fucking amazing band yes i love them uh you know, when they count to Sound Fury for the first time, that shit was crazy. And then just seeing them grow as a band was just so sick. One of like the biggest and best bands in hardcore. Yeah, that was a vibe. The the, the stretch of years that they were like going in was like really cool to to be a part of that. 
to bear witness. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so moving on from Bad Seed. Uh, so title fight, Bad Seed is kind of put on pause. Uh, at, at that point in your life, are you still trying to do music or did you want to focus more on your art? Um, like what direction were you heading in at, at that point? Um, yeah, so, like, I remember, like, being on tour in Europe with Title Fight and having a feeling, like, all right, like, it doesn't seem like much is going to be going on after this tour, so I applied to to get back into school, because I had dropped out of uh, college, like I said, in 2009, and, like, al along with that, like, I, like, <laughs> just, like, was really reckless about uh like student loans and debt and all that type of shit so i had like had committed like a decent amount of time to like going to school and paying for it out of pocket so i remember thinking like all right maybe i should like go back to school and like wrap up like a a degree or something you know what i mean because it just seemed like the opportunity was there the first time in like seven or eight years so i was just like all right let's let's just try to like at least have something to show for this tens of thousands of dollars that I've like dug myself into a hole of. So I originally was in school for like a fine art degree and I was didn't really like wasn't really sure of like what that was gonna become at the time. Uh but like by the time I applied for to go back to school, um I was like more interested in fashion design. So that's like what I like I got accepted into a school, like into a fashion design program. And then I end up doing that like for the next year and a half or whatever. And then I got a degree. So that was like the next step for me. And I, I know that um, you designed, uh, you know, stuff. I, I actually bought the shirt that you designed for Supreme, like more recently. And I, I thought that was really cool. Um, can you talk about like, um, how you actually got to that point in your career? Cause I was surprised. I, I was just, you know, going through my Instagram story and then you had posted like the, the week of that your shirt was dropping. I was like, holy shit. Like, I didn't even know this was happening. So I was like, I had to, you know, try to cop that. Yeah. That was really cool. Like cool moment for me. And I like to thank a cool moment for like everyone that, I don't know, like I want, I don't want to say all punk and hardcore, but like, that's how, that's how I took it because I think it was like sort of informed by the art that I was making, but also that I was like attached to this, like, subculture that was this vibrant thing that has influence and whatever i mean i don't know i don't know for sure but that's kind of my interpretation so i felt like i was really proud of that but uh how it happened was like when i was in school actually my uh i met a friend his name's tori and at the time he worked at uh he worked in like fashion industry and he was like a hardcore kid i met him at a show at like 538 he was like a hardcore dude he was into title fight and bad seed and stuff he's a little bit older than me but he's just like a cool dude and he just like i don't know for whatever reason just like showed me love and like he helped give me an internship at a job that he used to have like when i was going to school when i was living in new york i and going to school he got me an internship at mark jacobs which is like a it was a pretty sick internship to have so after that I just kind of like kept in touch with him and he like made some title fight designs and whatever just kind of formed a friendship and then uh yeah after a while like he was he started working at supreme and then we just kept in touch and he hit me up and it kind of just and i've been from there 
I can't really like I don't know if I should like divulge too much about it because I had to fucking sign all this like contracts and stuff. But for sure, no, it was, I, a, it was a it was a hardcore kid that made it happen for me. So I'm super thankful and owe that to him for sure, hundred percent. That's super sick. I, I literally had no idea, and it, it's pretty crazy too because you, you think about Supreme, uh, you know, skateboard brand. Um, hopefully, people know that and um, how um, involved like a lot of people in hardcore are with that brand. I, I think it was cool that you were able to uh, do a design for them and it uh, get support and, you know, uh, selling out, which is cool. Yeah, it was sick, man. So going, I was, I was, I was psyched. So uh, going forward, I uh, read that uh, digital zine you did with the dude from candy. I'm drawing a blank on his name right now. And, Oh yeah, Cheddar. Is it Michael Quick, the dude from Candy? Yeah. And you um, mentioned I'm in there because uh, I read it. Um, you, you mentioned that you were trying to get away from uh, doing like uh, uh, like graphic designs, like you know, for t-shirts and stuff. Uh, can you talk about um, why you feel that way and like um, what direction you want to take your art in going forward? Yeah, it's funny that that interview. Like, it came out really sick. I was psyched on it, but after I got off the phone with him, I was like tripping i was like yo i think i just like spazzed out for like way too long on this on this dude and he's gonna like not know how to like condense what i said or anything and it made me it kind of i think i told you i was like it made me want to actually do an interview with you because we've been talking about it for a while and i was just like i want to kind of like paint the picture a little bit more slowly and like because it's like it's just hard to talk about that type of stuff without jumping around like having to talk about the title fight or what going to like thinking about art or whatever you know it's all these like i just felt really unorganized and like i did a really like in general i do a really bad job at representing myself but uh yeah that kind of like prompted me to like be like all right it came out sick but like let's try to maybe build upon that a little bit more so yeah so I don't think I'm like I don't want to like stop doing designs altogether. Like I'm I'm super fortunate to have that opportunity and like I love being able to like do a design for a friend's band or like a band from Wilkesbury. Like that type of shit is like really cool to me. But I uh, I just feel like kind of burnt out on doing it lately. Where my process, I think I just like it takes me so long to make those things, and I don't know. I I I've been like thinking about fine art a little bit bit more like many making paintings and drawings and photography and video and music and those types of channels are just like a little bit more liberating and freeing right now and i just kind of like prefer if i'm gonna commit like a whole week to doing something i would kind of at this point prefer to reserve that energy for like myself like things that i'm really psyched on not that i'm not psyched on a t-shirt but just like I just wish I was like a better technician or better draftsman so I can like pump shit out faster. But like, it just like, it's a really like intense laborious process for me. So I think I was kind of just speaking to that a little bit where it's just like, I kind of just want to take a break and like make paintings, you know what I mean? Just let myself like continue to work and continue to try to understand myself, but without like this weird, like, middle man that exists when you're trying to do something like commission based work it's always like it's just a little bit it's a little bit different 
of like an energy and then you kind of have to like talk about money and you have to talk about what they want and then like it just kind of compromises a lot of like how I like to do things or how I'm even able to do things it's like drawing making a drawing is like I I have like a background in making art and drawing and stuff but like it's like a weird background and I can't just like if someone asks me to draw like a zombie or like a fucking I don't know anything like anything like I can't just like I'm not like that good to just like whip it up like my process is like much different where like I kind of like am exploring like shapes and carve like reverse engineering something based off of like an abstract mark I made and like oh this looks like a fucking dragon like let me try to figure that out you know so it's like I'm trying to like find a way to just be a little bit more personally fulfilled with making art because I'm like really into it but it's just the commission based stuff is just like something that just feels a little bit like consuming too much of my energy and too much of my time right now and it's like I'm super fortunate to be doing it but it's like five percent of like what I want to say or what I want to do as as an artist you know what I mean yeah, no, I I definitely get that. Uh, I, I I think it's impressive that you're able to you know actually uh, do these designs for people because I, I I look at uh, some of the stuff that you've done and I was like, man, like are are they giving you direction on what they want or are they giving you like free reign? Sometimes people would be like, yeah, I like this, I like this, or sometimes it's like I have free reign, and like sometimes having some input is like good, and sometimes it's like it makes me want to fucking never do it again you know what i mean it just depends on like every it depends on everything okay yeah so uh, i I, th- I think back to my buddy um alvin uh he he is like a, a, an amazing tattoo artist he owns a shop in fullerton shout out uh roseland tattoo uh he hates doing script but he won't tell me that um because like every time i've ever gotten tattooed by him i'm always like hey like let's throw some script on there and he's like all right cool like let's see if i can work it in but because um, I, I literally give him free reign i'm like hey this is like I'll, I'll give him like like what my general idea is but then i'll just let him do whatever like i, I try not to have any like weird inputs because like i'm not an artist i like to let yeah. the artist be the artist um and it, I, I always think it's funny that uh he kind of always like kind of gets out of doing the script portion uh, of the tattoos he's, <laughs> he's always like hey like let's do it next time i'm like all right cool and then next time it's like let's do it next time and then i kind of like realize like oh he doesn't like doing script he hates it um, yeah 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 but I, I i think it's funny but yeah i i, I think it's um like you know pretty um important to like kind of let the artist be free because for me I, I like i said like i'm not an artist so like i don't feel like it's right for me to try to uh tell them like what to do like that's why i just like to give like a general um idea and um like nine times out of ten it's like way better than anything i could ever come up with for sure i mean i don't i don't i don't say these things to like flex that like i have a superior art mind than the person that's like hitting me up it's just i think for me and maybe your friend too like maybe it's just comes down to like the process and we're just like i don't feel completely confident all the time to to deliver what this person expects when there's like when it's predicated by like x y and z like sometimes like just like letting go of expectation is like for me personally is the thing that is going to lead me to like make something that's like the sickest thing that I can possibly make. You know what I mean? Like Uh otherwise it's it's like a barrier. There's this weird barrier where it's like, all right, now I got to like deal with like script or now I need to make, now I need to implement this thing that they have a, they have like something really specific in their mind that they're seeing. And like, no matter what I do, it's not going to be that, you know? So yeah, it's probably 
for me, it's more of just like if if my ability allowed me to just like easily make these things real, then it wouldn't be a problem. But it's just like I don't know. For me, it's just like that's just how it is. Are you familiar with the artist uh, David Cho? Uh, is that the dude that did the Facebook mural and got stock in the company like when they were small? Yes. Yeah, that, that's like the most I know about that dude. I think he had a TV show maybe like five or ten years ago. I checked it out, but I couldn't tell you anything about that dude beyond that. I don't, I'm not really okay. that familiar So what's, what's good with him. So I'm not like, like you know, super into like the art world. I don't really know like what's going on or like what's like, you know, like, you know, the most popular stuff going on. But like I, I've always been drawn to him. Uh, I actually found out about him uh through like his old like youtube show so he had like an old youtube show called uh thumbs up and him and his uh best friend they would uh or it was his cousin um yeah i think it was his cousin if i remember correctly they'd hitchhike yeah they would hitchhike across yeah. the, the u.s and like they had like these rules like they couldn't um you know bring any money they, they literally would just go with like a backpack with like clothes and stuff and just um, make it across the the u.s and um, that was like my first exposure to him but then he started his own uh, podcast, which I thought was like insane. It was called a uh, DVD ASA. It was uh, him and then the uh, porn star Asa Akira and then uh, Bobby Lee's younger brother would come on and literally the most insane like uh, podcast ever. And it eventually got canceled because he, he, to- he um, told some story and kind of uh, stretched the truth and uh, lawyers got involved and they had to pull the plug. But uh, to this day, he, he's still an artist. Like he's um, like, if, if you follow him on Snapchat or on Instagram, like you'll see him still doing like uh, his uh, style of painting. Um, and it's just like really insane to see how talented he is. And I was just curious, um, like how experienced are you like when it comes to actually doing stuff on canvas? Me? Yeah. Um, not that experience. I mean, I've done, paintings like i'm i'm working on some paintings right now on canvases but uh yeah and then school and shit like when i was taking painting and drawing classes obviously there you know it was landing on those types of surfaces but for me like those types of things are more like experiments at this point where it's like art to me is doesn't solely exist like on a canvas you know it's like i'm really interested in fine art in the way that it applies to like everything you know and i think i'm like i haven't really landed exactly on just the thing that like feels completely natural and and good yet you know but yeah i've certainly like tried my hand tried and am trying to get improve you know learning how to employ oil paint or whatever you know but the same way i'm like also trying to do that with music and video and photography and you know every discipline like storytelling like i don't i want to like i want to kind of I'm, I'm sort of searching for a way to like make sense of everything i'm interested in so for me yeah i'm not, I'm not like uh i don't have like i can't show you like a ton of canvases but yeah i definitely think about paintings and look at paintings a lot like anytime on tour anymore like if i'm on the road like and have a free off day or a free couple hours like this that's like the mission is to like go to a museum or you know mm-hmm. look at art so back home in palm springs there's this uh, annual event 
or excuse me, a biannual event called uh, Desert X. And they normally time it like around the time Coachella Fest is happening. And in the Coachella Valley, there's different art installations that are sprinkled in um, different cities. And there's like uh, places where you can get like the pamphlet or you can download the app and they'll show you exactly where all the different installations are. And I, I feel like that's like my favorite type of art, like outside of like music. Um, yeah. it's, it's just like going to like a location and seeing like what um, the artist like built and, and knowing that it's it's temporary. It's only going to be there for like a, oh, a certain window of time and then it's just boom, it's gone. And then just never to be seen again unless you take photos of it, which I, I think is like really, um, really interesting to me. And it's just like, the, like, like, and I don't even like get like really deep with this stuff. Like, um, like, so Desert X happened last year. And like my favorite art installation was like in the middle of the desert. It was like a giant shipping container, but it was like neon, like orange. And that mm -hmm. was it. That was it. And there was just like a plaque of like, um, you know, the, the artist who did it. And that was it. And it was you were just like it was up to like your interpretation of like, you know, what it meant to you. And I, I always thought it was um, that kind of stuff was like really interesting to me because I always like to go and just kind of, you know, find meaning and stuff that, you know, could mean totally something different but uh, to me it's just still awesome to just look at and just think about like all the work that went into it you know like a giant shipping container they painted it this neon orange and they just dropped it in the middle of the desert it, it was like you know pretty interesting yeah it is it sounds interesting i thought you were going to say the what is it the have you ever seen the prada like storefront that's just in the middle of the desert somewhere in like arizona or texas maybe it's just like a vacant Prada storefront in the middle of nowhere. Like I thought that's what you're gonna say. No. But yeah, conceptual art is like is cool. Like for that reason, because you could just, you know, someone might get something from that that the artist didn't intend whatsoever, or you know, maybe the artist feels accomplished or or whatever. But I think like yeah, just like being able to communi communicate in ways beyond language and like the convention that we've we've come to like be comfortable with like using social media or the internet or even just like language having a conversation like it's kind of limiting i think in a lot of ways where you can say so much more or express so much more or just express something different with a slightly different approach you know so it's like maybe some people look at that that shipping container as like dumb but someone might you know it might be speaking to someone in a way that words can't and i think that's really valuable and it's kind of like to me that's like the essence of art like when i'm when i'm trying to make art it's like i'm communing with this force that's allowing me to express myself in ways that i'm kind of limited to typically you know and yeah. i think that's like a really powerful thing to try to understand and implement in your life is that like we are so much more than like what we what we're defined by on a daily basis you know and like your mind is like this crazy force and human history and tradition and art and music all these things exist and they're tools that you can use to like really express yourself in a way that feels authentic to you and yeah it's just like that that type of that type of uh philosophy i think is really important especially the people that are like disenfranchised or feel like they don't have the means to succeed in a conventional way it's like you can tap into yourself and learn a lot about yourself and maybe create a new lane or opportunity for yourself when you're kind of thinking a little bit more abstractly and yeah just like kind of flowing a little bit more with the uh 
the world in that way and like not being so tied to your phone and the English language and these types of things. Yeah, I felt so like I I admit I'm not like an expert at art and I, I remember driving out well, I wasn't driving. My buddy Nate was driving. Shout out, Nate. Uh, we were driving out to this uh, container, and we knew that we were going to take photos. And um, so we, we, like, took our photos, and we were leaving. And as we were, like, walking out, like, you know, back to our car, like, these girls were walking in, and they brought props to, like, make it a scene. And, I, and like, that just blew my mind. So I'm like, holy shit. I came out here just to take a basic photo. Like, these girls, like, took it to the next level brought their own props they brought like these crazy looking chairs to, to make it look like you know they're having like a little lunch in front of like this thing and i was just like dude like that's so like in my mind i was like dude that, that's so cool that they're just like, gonna but, level up their picture and like that thought didn't even cross my mind to to bring my own stuff to to enhance it that's yeah that's sick it kind of reminds me there's this artist that i've been getting into lately named sao fei she's like a chinese artist and okay. i need to i'm trying to track down like the full video i can't find it but there's a there's a trailer on YouTube. She has like a, a video called cosplayers where she's filming like people in cosplay, like costumes in, in China, but she's just like stealing all the locations of like the backdrop of wherever, wherever they're at in China filming it. And it's like, yeah, it's just really, it's really sick looking. And it kind of reminded me of that. Just like, yeah, there's things like if you want to fucking make a movie, like go make a movie, like make one in your town, like go to that weird location that looks interesting to you and like make it your own, you know, like same with like if you have a fucking guitar or a computer or a keyboard in your house, like don't be like don't think you need some sort of like giant production or this expensive shiny thing to like make your dreams come true, like just make it happen with what you have and like that's that's just way cooler to me to see anyway it's just like people forging their destiny by just making it happen you know whatever is available like is in your orbit like it's like destiny in a way just like use it to to get out your dreams you know i love that like sentiment about about art so you speak about i'm trying to find uh, ways to express excuse me, express yourself, you know, outside of like, um, language, um, and stuff like that. Uh, do you believe in aliens? Yeah. But the more, like the older I get, I think I, I think I believe in like beings in like a, an alternate dimension or like, you know what I mean? I think it's more that I don't, I don't know necessarily if they're like from space, but I think if there's anything like that, it exists like in in a way that we don't understand okay you know what i mean yeah uh, joe rogan um, i'm a huge fan of joe rogan and he he talks about how he th thinks about um you know like uh the way we depict like uh, you know those gray aliens how they just um they're just like really skinny and frail and like uh no real uh things on their body to define if they're or what type of gender they are but they have those big heads and he always talks about how like he feels like that's like our next evolution is like we're just going to grow into that and we're all going to be communicating uh, telepathically, which I, I think is uh, pretty crazy to think about. And I'm like, huh, like somehow that kind of like makes sense that that could happen. And yeah. I, I, I think about that from time to time. And um, sometimes like and I hate thinking um, about space too much because my head begins to hurt because, you know, they're talking about how like supermassive black holes could be gateways to other universes and 
I, the space just um, it's infinite it never ends and you're just thinking about like what like we live on a planet um floating in space and space never ends like what the hell like it, it's, it's just like yeah there's just so many things about it just like makes my head hurt when i just like try to like talk to people about it yeah i kind of i kind of hate that notion of like i mean i'm not, I'm not a flat earther I, but i do like I'm like into conspiracies, so I kind of like humor, like anything that like comes across my plate, I'll like check out, you know. Okay. And uh, there's like, so I think largely the the flat Earth movement has a lot of holes in it, you know. But the the sentiment that I've like discovered that spoke to me is like this notion that the world we live in is like always trying to tell you that like we are so insignificant, you know, like we are just like this speck of dust floating throughout space, and there's like millions of possibilities and other whatever like yeah other universes and alternate dimensions that like you can never fathom and like and in a way it just kind of like makes you kind of accept that you're like insignificant or something and i feel like it's like that's the thing that i fuck with like conspiracies in, in some ways for is like this notion that like no like maybe it's not that vast and expansive and crazy maybe like we are actually way more important or powerful than we like allow ourselves to accept you know and i think when you look at society and the way we live and the foods we eat and the way we decide to yeah just do basic things it's like you're in a box inside of a box inside of a box inside of a box like wearing socks you know what i mean it's like i don't think i think i think human potential is like way greater than than we realize and i think in history i mean it's my belief like that I think at one point maybe we were a lot more in touch with you know our capabilities like maybe we were closer to the fucking aliens that you're talking about or something but i i always like like that about like giving me hope to kind of like try to tap in and get a little bit closer to like whatever you want to call it the universe or god or something like that like i think that's important to like be empowered by like feeling significant rather than insignificant you know what i mean because i I don't know. It feels like a weird control mechanism to like just accept that like you're nothing. You know, I don't think that's the case. Like, I think in the grand scheme of things, like, yeah, maybe your individual story isn't like the most important thing in human history. But like, I think you're alive, and I think that that counts for a lot. You know, and your ability to like make a difference in the world and communicate and love people. Like, I think that's. I think that like goes by the wayside a little bit. Like I think that's the thing I like about conspiracies is to like lift up people rather than like let allow them to think that like oh you're not like you're nothing and some alien's gonna come like kill you because they're smarter than you or something. You know, it's like I think we got a, a lot of work to do as a species to like reach our full potential. You know what I mean? Yeah, I I, I get it. I'm I'm team human all the way. Just to be clear. <laughs> team human all the way but um one thing that you and i have uh talked about um uh, numerous times uh you have um like a demo that you're working on and I, I was curious if you're able to talk about um what new music that you're doing yeah i mean i've i'm like i make music all the time but it's i'm sort of like my own worst enemy with editing and then like I don't know. I've just been trying to like really zone in and dial in, like getting some, like trying to find my identity, I guess, as like a solo musician or whatever, you know? And uh, 
I have plenty of songs that I think are good enough, but for whatever reason, it's just like this slow burning process. But I feel much more compelled recently, especially being home a lot more with the quarantine and everything to just like finally make sense of it all. But making sense of it is like tasking because I don't know, I think I'm just a little bit crazy about what I'm trying to do or what I'm trying to say. So it's like, I don't know. I'm a way better band member than I am like a solo artist. I'm, I'm realizing, but it's been good exercise. I think if, if anything, you know, I'm like learning a lot more about producing and engineering myself. And I just don't think the time has been right. So when it happens, it'll, it'll happen. And it'll be chill. And uh, hopefully is it going to be under the poison thorn moniker or is it going to be under something else? Yeah. Poison thorn. Okay. Unless something, something changes, but I'm trying to like put everything under that umbrella. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Okay. And, uh, one other thing, um, you, uh, have some, uh, merch that's floating out there under um happy house uh do you have plans to release anything new in, in the near future because i see those hats floating around and i'm like man i wish i could have uh, came upon one of those oh sorry you there yeah yeah it's all good yeah so you asked about happy house yeah i, I was uh, uh just going back into it i was i'm curious uh happy house do you guys have any um, plans to release any new merch in the near future or in the future in general yeah um yeah, Happy House is something I do with my homie Matt Decker. Uh, I'm sort of just like trying to make sense of what I've learned about like making clothes and stuff. And there's definitely like we definitely have plans, but it's also the type of thing that I'm kind of kind of accepting as just this like art project that will progress and like become a different thing depending on like what we're interested in or whatever. So. But yeah, there's definitely plans for like some more stuff, some more some more clothing and stuff like that. But that's also like an umbrella that I'm hoping to sort of funnel like different musical and art projects through. Like I'm kind of thinking of it, of it more in that light the more time goes on, you know. Mm-hmm. So but yeah, there's nothing like I mean with being like quarantined and everything affecting businesses like that right now it's like everything we all the clothes we make are like made in the u.s so it's not really easy right now to like make anything happen um but for sure like yeah that's like that and like poison thorn stuff is like where like my like heart and like ambition is all at you know like that's like those are the things that i'm like trying to ultimately lift up the most so there'll be probably more shit in the future. Hell yeah. Well, I'm definitely looking forward to that. Uh, you know, got to keep an eye out on the merch. Cause I'm definitely trying to cop a hat in the future. And yeah, and- I'll send you a hat. I think I probably got one oh. laying around here somewhere. Hell yeah. All right. Well, we can talk about that off air, but uh, obviously I'm definitely curious about the music. I'm really looking forward to hearing that. And um, you know, for me to be able to sit here and talk with you, it's just uh, kind of crazy to me because I like, you know, um, obviously I, I can call you a friend now, but when I, I like take a step back and like if I would to have told my friends like 
in the past, like, yo, like I'm going to do a podcast with the singer of Bad Seed, guitar player, Tile Fight. People would call me crazy. But the fact that, <laughs> the fact that we're sitting here um, and we're doing this, this like definitely means a lot to me. Yeah, it means a lot to me too, man. It's a, uh, it's a cool sounding board and I, yeah, I'm, I'm grateful for the opportunity to kind of just like say stuff out loud and kind of organize my own, own thoughts in that way. And it's like, yeah, it's cool. It's a cool, it'll be a cool time capsule, I think to like look back on. So thank you. Okay. Real quick. I, I want to um, kind of nerd out and talk about the time we hung out in Pomona, if that's okay. Yeah. That was fun. Yeah. So I'm, um, you were playing for a turnover, which was a su- surprise to me because I had no idea that you had that um, in your plans. But I remember we were talking and you had mentioned that you were playing for turnover. Uh, so I had planned to go to your L.A. date. I didn't even realize you were going to be playing Tropicalia until uh, yeah. you mentioned it. And I was like, holy shit. And I, I remember you asked me if I wanted to uh, go to the fest. And I was like, dude, hell yeah. Like, I'm down. Like, like thank you. I was, I was like super grateful. I didn't expect too much because when somebody offers me something like that, I'm not going to get greedy and try to ask for a bunch of stuff. So when you had um, offered to get me into the fest, I was like super grateful for that. And when you mentioned that I I had a plus one, my immediate thought was to bring like literally like one of my best friends, Garrett, because I know uh, he's a fan of uh, turnover and we were really psyched to see fury. Cause like we were on the fence. Um, Like, like a lot of us wanted to go to see fury on a bigger stage, but just the ticket to get him was just so expensive. Um, so like we were both really thankful to, um, to have gotten in, uh, you know, through you. So I, I appreciate that. Thank you so much. And, uh, one thing about that day that I'll never forget is like when, uh, me, you and Garrett were, you know, backstage, uh, just like, you know, like walking around and people were stopping you left and right. Like, holy shit. Like, what are you doing here? And obviously people know you from the bands that you played in. And one thing that I thought was really gracious of you is that, um, no matter who it was and like, if I'm gonna be honest, like 90% of the people that you stopped and talked to you. I had no idea who they were. Um, you always made it a point to introduce like Garrett and I, like you didn't just leave us there as like these randoms. So I, I thought that was really kind of you to do that. And I definitely respected that. So thank you. You're welcome. I feel like that's just basic humanity. Like, <laughs> isn't it sad that you need to thank someone for something like that? Yeah. It's so weird because obviously <laughs> like, like, okay. Cause like, in, in like weird situations like that, um, there's like, you know, um, egos and people want to like, you know, uh, show off that they're popular and um, they want to kind of like, you know, not everybody wants to just treat people normal. Some people think they're cooler than other people, which uh, is kind of gross to me. But uh, yeah. to, to, to see you do that for me, and Garrett, like, you know, just have that, uh, you know, kindness. I, I, I definitely appreciate that. And it, uh, you know, kind of showed me like, hey, this guy is like actually like a legit nice guy he doesn't like you know think he's better than us or think we're just some fans that he got in like you actually um you know we're down to hang out and i i appreciated that so seriously thank you like i'll I'll never forget that day that day was so fun yeah well thank you man you gave me a ride to downtown right yeah 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 it was i don't know just like we're just the same you know like people need to stop treating each other like they're different than each other you know what i mean we're just the same i know i listen to your podcast i was a fan and i know we have some mutual friends and it's like we're all into hardcore and like whatever like if you don't know someone then just say what's up like it's just basic shit but yeah thank you for for thanking me for that i guess but yeah yeah, it was cool like yeah it's just i don't know to me like maybe that's just something like i kind of gleaned from like touring like for so long but it's like we would just pull up to random towns 
most of the time random countries you know places we didn't even know how to speak the language and like you just like talk to the punk and hardcore kids there that put on the show or that are chilling around the venue and like they just put you on to like they take care of you and you know so i think that's just kind of ingrained in like my philosophy a little bit of just like i don't know we're all the same like there's no reason to be like exclusive like we're at a weird indie rock festival and in california like i don't know why not just try to make everybody feel comfortable and make everybody feel like like they're gonna maximize their time there you know so it's it's no thing for me and it was cool yeah like from that like my kindness towards you i guess maybe inspired you to offer me a ride because tiger's Jaw was playing downtown that day and i wanted to go see tiger's Jaw and my girlfriend more importantly so you know what I mean? It was just like those types of things. Like, I don't know. I think about that a lot too. Like my life, the way I live my life is like, I feel like serendipity plays this huge role where it's just like these weird, these weird encounters kind of just float into my life and you just kind of embrace them and it opens doors and like it makes life easier in a lot of ways and it helps shrink the the world a little bit, you know? And I think that's like been to, to my advantage largely. So why not continue that like, philosophy you know well, hell yeah well seriously thank you for your kindness i appreciate you so much for being down to finally do the podcast before we sign off is there anything you want to shout out or plug um no really just like thank you for the, thank you for the time thanks to anybody that listened uh, or supported anything i've done over the years super thankful shout out wilkesbury that's it really all right. Well, seriously, thank you again. This was a pleasure. I will see you again at SWB Volume 2 in October. I'm looking forward to that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we're going to chill. I'll take you to some spots for sure. It's going to be fun. Hell yeah. So, all right. Well, there you guys have it. This has been an awesome episode. Thank you again for listening. This has been another episode of the Jamie K Podcast, Always on Top. <laughs>